McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brabble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. To the business of a business podcast, I am your co-host JP John Paz from the Two Man Power Trip, and of course, joining me is my co-host Mister Trump Mania himself, Mister Lavi Margolin. Lavi, what's going on today, sir? Today is a special episode. Of course, we are the official business podcast of SC Scoops, but one of my favorite episodes is to look back on live attendance and uh, conduct an analysis report, the most extensive one in the industry domestically not covering WWE and AEW and this time uh, we can look not only at a quarter last time we looked at quarter three but we have quarter four as well so it's really a half year live event attendance analysis report and then a couple other pieces at the end of today's podcast nice love these episodes of course doing these analysis report you put a lot of work into it and a lot of effort so this is great on your end of course the second half of 2021 very fascinating time to look at the pro wrestling attendance and the live event numbers. So where do you want to start? You want to start with Game Changer Wrestling? Yes. So, of course, um, keeping the momentum from uh, quarter three, but now we have the um, a wider look over six months. So including both quarters, tracking 22 events, including one that was co-promoted with Black Label Pro, 11 of the shows we know were sellouts. Uh, the company promoted Coast to Coast, and its four shows in the LA market were pre-sellouts, as well as two shows pre-sellouts in Detroit. The Detroit shows, which we touched upon last week with our special guest, sold out early enough that the company booked a more ambitious venue in 2022, Harpo's, a venue, as we talked with Brett, that can hold up to 2,000. I don't think it's being set up for this event for 2,000, but there's a lot of room uh, to work with there. Two shows had reported attendance above 1,000. Those were both shows from Q3, 724 in Atlantic City at the Showboat Hotel, drew 1,200. 9-4 in Hoffman Estates at the Grand Sports Arena, drew 1,450. The company also had regular touring springs in Texas, um, Houston, and Dallas. We know the first of those shows sold out. I don't believe the second did, at least pre-sellouts. And, of course, looming. Hopefully, um, there's no uh, Omicron um, forced cancellations or anything like that. But um, outside of this period, in 2022, we know that GCW has sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom with 2,025 tickets in advance on January 23rd. Seems like uh, Omicron and 
COVID-19, whatever, seems like that may play a factor. I mean, is it as big a factor as we think it is right now? Or, or maybe it's going to play an even bigger factor going forward? Yeah. So I've been following this closely for a couple of years. First, it helped with my anxiety <laughs> and then trying to avoid it. But it's important for live events, too. Um, no, um, it is interesting because, you know, especially in New York, and, and that's what leaders are saying from on the news and so on, that if you're vaccinated um, and you have your booster shot and, you know, most children are eligible for it now, over five, certainly, um, then, uh, you know, you could get coronavirus, but you won't get as sick. Um, so it's not uh, a panic or it shouldn't be like March 2020 or anything like that. However, following the news, we're starting to see in New York, at least, events being canceled. Um you know, uh, Aladdin on Broadway and um, some other shows on Broadway have canceled now through the holiday season, which is usually the biggest time to make money, especially as their industry reemerges. That was so important. The Rockettes canceled now. Um, so we're starting to see this happen. It's not across the board. Um, I was listening to the mayor's press conference while we we're recording this today. And um, somebody asked about the Billy Joel concert that night at the Garden. And he said, listen, like everyone that's there is vaccinated. Um, so that's not what we're worried about. We're worried about, um, you know, where people are that aren't vaccinated or vaccinated mix mixing with the unvaccinated. So yes, so events are being canceled. So we have to watch that closely. Um, but um, we're hopeful that uh, an event like the one at the Hammerstein can, uh, can go on as planned in January. So, the GCW show at Hammerstein, I know it's over 2,000 to sell out. Is that the biggest like crowd on hand for them in a, in a long time? Just because of the way they set up the venue, it seems like that had to be, if not a record, close to it. Yeah. No, um, it's certainly in terms of modern day, like the, the number that would come out that was more realistic was about 1,800 for what... Um, uh, Ring of Honor would do, or I'm not sure how well New Japan did when they ran the venue. You know, all those sort of like the best attendances in the Hammerstein. There used to be the old lore, like on the wrestling websites and so on. It was like standard sellout 2,500, but I don't know where that came from. I think that was just an inflated number. Um, so I think this is the best modern number. And I think accurately, probably the most fans that will ever go to Hammerstein Ballroom to see pro wrestling. Probably the only way you can get more fans in would be that if you have like um, a stage in front, like a concert, and then you have everyone standing on the floor. Like I've seen Green Day there um, 21 years ago, actually at this point or 20 years ago. Um, and you know, you could pack it in for a concert, but that's not great for pro wrestling. Um, that never seems to go well where people are looking up at the ring. Just feel like, um, I've heard high numbers there before. I don't know about that high. So that's pretty good. The way he kind of changed the setup to, to, you know, obviously accommodate more fans. No, I think every, you know, dollars and cents, especially with a company like GCW, um, you know, once you're taking that risk and you have fans interested, like if you can swing another 100, 150 people in, especially on the floor where it's more expensive, that's the equivalent of maybe five or six shows, um, you know, where they're doing in other cities in smaller venues. And just to note, by the way, with GCW attendance, I'm not tracking um, – the Jersey Championship Wrestling or the LA Knights, um, a little bit uh, sort of like off-brand or secondary brands. I think that's a little bit too complex and muddying the story. So in terms of what we're reporting, it's on the uh, the primary brand. So with them doing all this touring and live attendance, I mean, it's, it's really paramount to make sure that, you know, COVID or whatever do doesn't affect it because it seems like they're traveling. Like you said, they're going to Harpo's. LA, they're going to go to Dallas. I mean, it seems like they really, really do not need another shutdown or anything even close to that. No, it would be, you know, especially once you have these big venues booked and we know sort of the saga that was going on. Where was it in Miami when they had it booked WrestleMania weekend? Um, you know, one of these club type venues where they're 
uh, be outdoor shows and all things going on for a couple of days. And then, you know, they didn't want to give them back their deposit. But GCW really did emerge during the, you know, the height of the pandemic, meaning that they found a way to run shows. You know, some of them were outdoors um, and so on that didn't appear especially risky. And they sort of like kept the buzz going with fans, especially towards a niche, whereas, you know, the larger promotions at the time, they were running empty arenas, if at all. So what's going on with the NWA and their building back? Yeah, so now we have a little bit more evidence to uh, to look at. So in Q3, as we've talked about, they ran a four-show shot at the Chase Hotel in, in um, St. Louis, and that was, I would say, a pretty big win for them, um, you know, for an organization of its size. So they had sold out 856 tickets at the anniversary show. Empower was nearly a sellout at 843. Um, with modest expectations for the two-day tapings, they 340 and 323. So I would say that was good. Then um, before another uh, swing um, in Atlanta, they uh, co-promoted with a... Um, promotion called tried and true in Oak Grove, Kentucky, which seems like they're pretty consistent in terms of doing well. And they drew 382 for that. So that was 88% capacity. Then they ran into some trouble that wasn't necessarily of their own doing in Atlanta, hard times too. Um, They had uh, the pay-per-view, which I just mentioned, they had a new program, NWA USA, and some other tapings that was expected over four days. Now, um, the venue had a restriction of 90 uh, people. So for the show that was sold out, the pay-per-view, they actually had to contact people and say, like, I'm sorry, your seat is canceled. Um, But for the other show that we know about the attendance, NWA USA, that was reported as 70. So I don't think anyone was turned away. You know, if if we do the math, look at the numbers. So that, you know, we'll take that as a realistic number. Whereas I didn't see any reports on the other two tapings where I'd imagine they're around 70 or less. So, um, you know, being in Atlanta in a studio like that, it's a good cost savings to them. Um, I don't think they expected so many fans anyway, but to turn people away has to be disappointing. So I think there's still question marks with the NWA and sort of like where they stand. But if things do open up more in the next few months in terms of comfortably touring and so on, we'll get a sense. Now, um, it was just announced today, actually, that um, uh, Trevor Murdoch, the NWA champion, will be traveling to our friends at Catalyst Wrestling, uh, defending the belt um, in another promotion um and uh in brooklyn so for the first time in uh, in four years in january so kind of some cool things going on with the uh nwa i like that little traveling champion bringing that back i know nick aldis did a little bit but uh cool to see that again especially with our friends up there at catalyst i just wonder if like you know 300 people buying tickets 90 people buying tickets i mean how long can you kind of keep rolling along with that low of not only tickets sold was the ability to sell that low amount of tickets yeah so it's a question um so obviously they have a financial backer in a good position billy corgan um who isn't shy about championing the nwa certainly um but he's not going to give all the money he made from the smashing pumpkins to invest so we don't know about the profitability or loss but it does seem like they have a uh a paid deal with, with fight sort of speculating from the outside because uh, I think Alberto Del Rio's promotion or one that he's involved in, it was announced that they would be getting, um, you know, paid for a weekly programming on fight. So it doesn't just seem like the NWA is just distributing it to distribute it, especially since they moved um, their main program off of YouTube, the NWA that is. So there is some money from there. Um, there is some money when they do these pay-per-views um maybe there's a little bit of money from from youtube i'm not i haven't checked on their subscribers in a while but not a lot coming in so right so but they are you know i think they keep like a few talents under contract um but most people are are free agents that they're bringing in so doesn't seem like 
a lot of money coming in, but probably a not not a lot going out. So they're in in somewhat of of a stable position given what they are right now. What is going on with New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially New Japan in the USA? Yeah, so again, now that we have some more shows to look at, it gives us a better sense of where they stand over nine shows. But I think their drawing ability is still a question mark, and it might be region to region and depending on who's on the card. So again, New Japan ran nine domestic shows in the U.S. in the second half of 2021. Um, as we've talked about multiple times, the biggest show was the Torch at the L.A. Coliseum on August 14th, which was basically a sellout, distributed 99% of the tickets, representing 2,240 people. Uh, this may have been the most tickets sold for a non-WWE AW domestic event in 2021. Um, uh, there was a... Um, uh, I think it was called Hecho El Mexico, where, um, you know, it looked like they had moved 3,000 seats, but most of them were were giveaways. So we don't really know what was going on there. So it's pretty likely that this New Japan show was. Um, then they ran a television taping in Long Beach, California, which sold out with 114 tickets distributed, plus general admission. Where they ran into uh, a big bump in the road was in trying to run Garland, Texas. You know, if you look at AEW, they're like, this is one of their prime, uh, mid-sized, uh, smaller markets. I know it's in the, I believe, the Beard Dallas area, but smaller market um, shows where they, you know, they could do four to six thousand easy. So I could see why New Japan was attracted to say, "Hey, this building isn't that expensive. AW fans are sort of like our fans. Um, you know, let's see how we do." And they didn't do very well. So on September twenty-fifth. They distributed 903 tickets, but it appears that more than half those tickets were distributed the day of the show. So that's one of those things that makes me go, hmm. So one might consider if the tickets were given away or there was a particularly effective late advertising campaign or significant walk-up purchase. I lean towards the latter. Um, on September 26, 841 tickets were distributed the day of the show by 5 p.m., which was significantly up from 443 just a few days prior. So similar questions there. Then they swung through uh, the 2300 Arena in Philly on October 16th and 17th, yielding 561 and 531 respectively, according to WrestleTix. The Observer and Cage Match likely taking the number from the Observer listed uh, number around 700. I myself would, would lean more on the WrestleTix number. A swing in California in November on November 13th and 15th yielded 1,548 in San Jose and 858 in the Riverside Municipal Auditorium. A small taping was done in the Vermont Hollywood in LA on December 9th. A total attendance was not available for that venue, which can hold 1,200, but the first row and lobby standing were sold out with a waiting list appearing on the ticket sales page with some a video which we talked about last time appearing briefly through ProRisu Reporter. Um, but it looked, um, it didn't look very full. It wasn't a full shot, but it, it didn't look like uh, there was many people there. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, how are they doing? Is it, or, or is it even somewhere in the middle of how they're doing ticket sales-wise? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things to consider. One is the opportunity cost. So if you're sending talents from Japan to prop up the shows. What's the opportunity cost of not running in Japan? I think though they still run on like a, a touring schedule, right? A few weeks on, a few weeks off. I might be behind on, on that information. So like, what are you giving up to do the show? So that's one thing. That's one challenge. The second is to look at it in the shows themselves. So clearly, and we've been talking about this a while, the best place for them to run is California. Southern California, Northern California, they seem to do pretty well. Um, some of the venues that they're booking are larger than they need. Um, this Torch at LA outdoor show was interesting because you could utilize as much space as you need because it's, it's sort of outdoors. Um, but in California and San Jose, that's a pretty big venue and that's a small attendance and certainly Riverside too. So if you were going to do regular shows anywhere, California makes sense. It's also the closest flight from, or one of the closest flights from, um, you know, from Japan, certainly to the U.S. Um, but doing shows all over like Texas and uh, Philly, although, you know, 2300 Arena isn't a huge risk. It just doesn't seem to pay off from looking at it from the outside. Um, you know, again, if I was going to be doing this, um, what I would say is like, you know, get when are the New Japan towns off, you know, when besides needing a break or whatever, but like when could you get them for a fair amount of dates? And then I would just run like one region once a year and do like three tours. Like I'd be like, okay, we're here on the East Coast, blow it up. Um, August, uh, you know, we're going to run five shows, New York, Boston, Philly, wherever. Then I would do Midwest, Chicago, and wherever else they think they could do well. And then I would swing through California and maybe, <laughs> maybe a show in Washington state and be done with it. But this, this dragging along of, of New Japan USA that has no, I haven't watched the program, so some people might find it very enjoyable. So I don't mean that, but like from the outside perspective, it really has like no heart and no no value. Like, what are you doing this for? It it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like a potential payoff when they were running well with new um, with Ring of Honor and they had um, Access TV. Yes, I could understand you know trying it at that point, but that moment is not now. Yeah, I just I want to know like the, the game plan. Are they really going to make a key focus here on the u.s are they gonna because you know they're giving guys to aew left and right but then they want to do their own thing i know it comes off a little uh questionable of like maybe they don't even know what they want to do or where they want to be yeah i would say it's like a corporate strategy um with a big parent company um in you know gaming but this is something that like new japan has played with certainly since the early 2000s but um but they've made different waves at different points even before then. But it never has seemed to pay off well unless they co-promoted well and that seemed to work best with a Ring of Honor. Like like I've said before, and I don't know if it's worthwhile for AEW to like bother with this, but like if AEW was the promoter of record and set up those swings that I was talking about with New Japan to come in, like have a very New Japan-like show. It's just AEW is providing the ground support in terms of booking the venues and uh, running some ads and crawlers, you know, on their shows. That's where I could see it. And maybe lending some talent without watering down their own brand. That's where I could see it being successful. But doing it on their own right now is very tough, as Ring of Honor has found out as well, which we'll get into a little bit later. What is going on with N-E-W? 
Yeah, so like we've talked about before, NEW um, continues to churn along. I think, what is it, 20 years, 25 years, they had a recent anniversary. And, um, you know, especially during warmer weather, they have some big shows that uh, draw really well. Although one of the things that I think is important about this report is analyzing those numbers a little bit closer because there's some conflicting numbers that we've talked about for Q3 and we'll get into Q4 as well. So um, NEW drew over a thousand for at least two shows, possibly four. So let's get into these one at a time. In, on July 9th in Rostover, Pennsylvania, the show co-promoted with ICW, the Post-Gazette reported an attendance of 700, whereas the Observer listed 1,700. A show in Eastwood Fields in Niles, Ohio, drew 1978, and the anniversary show in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center on August 14th through 1518, 84% capacity. Due though only to the promotion's track record, the anniversary show may have been a modest disappointment in not selling out. Two additional shows, um, one in Waterbury and one in Bethany uh, on, in July and September, drew 260 and 205. In the fourth quarter, uh, in what's traditionally a less ambitious time for NEW, they tend to do best outdoors unless it's at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. There were several shows in Bethany, Connecticut, most notably 205 at the NEW Arena, uh, representing 73% of the tickets put on sale. Um, but here's another controversy, or at least one that I'm making. On October 2nd in Danbury, I counted the I counted the ticket sales pages by hand, not as sophisticated as WrestleTix, and that represented 610. However, the Observer reported 1210, and 1,174 paid. From what I saw of the map, that number was not achievable based on the amount of tickets set up in that venue. Hmm, interesting. I feel like sometimes it's like the Wild West out there with guessing or people saying what what it is and believing somebody. You got to do the hand count. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, you and WrestleTix, so you got to believe in you guys. Yeah, like I think sometimes people want, like you, like if you are at the show and you're reporting it, you kind of like want to believe sometimes it's bigger than it, what it is. Or sometimes it might be somebody affiliated with an organization that's sending it in as like a, a live events report to the Observer or a resource like that. Yeah, you, you never know. And they're not really going to double check because it's a small event and like who would make that up. But uh, wishful thinking, I think, if you're saying you had more tickets than there were available. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, we try and look back at it historically and I'm only doing this uh, a few years. Like now it makes me question, you know, even when you build out the numbers from years ago and the Observer is the, the resource of record where if we didn't have it, we'd be in a lot of trouble, right? So we're very thankful for it. But you know, knowing what we know in modern times, uh, some of those numbers from years ago, you know, you have to question those a little bit now, too. No doubt about it. Yep. So what about Ring of Honor? I know they had some struggles at the gate. I know we're talking July to December. So some big struggles, and now we've seen the exit. So what's up with RH? Yes. So we're going to go through um, the half year, and then it might be a good time to uh, talk some timely news about Joe Kopp's interview on rohwrestling.com uh, that that dropped today where i was uh tweeting some notes so uh, excited to share that in a few moments so but looking back in the six months some um, two shows of course in the chesapeake employers insurance arena basically what had become their home venue in baltimore even for running uh empty arena shows so on uh, july 11th that was like the first test to see like okay we're coming back there's going to be fans, sort of like what, what's the interest level? So the building was set up for social distancing, and WrestleTix estimated a capacity of 700 with 419 in attendance. The Observer listed 1,200. So again, in that case, I would go with um, WrestleTix. Now, speeding ahead, final battle, um, which may or Ka Joe Koff is adamant about, will not be the last show uh, for Ring of Honor. They drew 1620, which was, of course, a significant increase over July 11th, uh, even if you were to take the Observer number. 
Um, certainly based on that nostalgia element and people wanting to see the show in case it was. Um, so what filled this in? A lot of empty arena shows. However, ROH ran a double shot at the 2300 Arena on August 20th and 21st, drawing 390 and 482. According to WrestleTix, the Observer reported the same number paid on A21, but that there were 550 in attendance. Uh, Ring of Honor attempted to run Death Before Dishonor in Lakeland, but it was canceled as announced for COVID reasons. However, I hand-counted the map before the cancellation, and it was only about 150 tickets that I could see that had been sold prior. So that might have made um, you know, the, uh, the choice a little bit easier for them. They instead returned to the 2300 Arena and drew 372. Um, and then, yeah, that was basically it. So um, now I'd just like to share, we could talk about um, some things that came out of the Podcast of Honor interview today. Um, I was taking some notes as it came up. So so there were some interesting things that came out. So firstly, um, the the narrative that Joe Koff shared was that it wasn't about a big financial hit. He didn't say this specifically due to COVID, but it was opportunities lost because of COVID, meaning that, and we had heard this before um, from like Gary Juster's interviews before and so on, that Ring of Honor had been given approval from Sinclair to run a sort of a, a nationwide a show. Uh, Joe Koff actually said prime time. I wasn't sure if it would be to run a program that would sort of be live or where it could be live every week. So from 2019, they were, or 2018, 2019, they were planning this by building up their payroll and their roster. Meaning that if they were to stay as they were in terms of just syndicated programming, basically on the same networks, that they wouldn't have scaled up because of this. So the the pivot that they're making is business oriented. He said, in 2018, we were on our way to being a live event. We always had our own distribution. We built the company around that to sustain us at that level. But then we went to a weekly mindset. We were ready to plug along in 2019, although then Kafka crossed himself and says 2020, but a lot happened. So there was that opportunity lost for them. But then there was the rise of AEW. Um, and... Uh, he said AEW benefited because they were able to, to run Florida. And then basically by the time that they were ready to run live events, the opportunity had been lost because AEW, he didn't say this in so many words, but AEW had captured the market share. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You wish maybe he would have been more proactive instead of reactive. I mean, oh, it was almost like you had a list of excuses there of stuff they could have done or could should have done, and AEW just kind of swooped in. But, yeah, I mean, you, you should have been 
well aware of that and planning ahead no yeah and i think i think um i don't know what their expectations would be in terms of ratings and um you know the talents that they had but things were already lost when aw got cody in the box and uh i mean at that time um you know he wasn't as essential talent or known but people knew his potential sorry i'm blanking on their champion right now <laughs> adam page Yes, Adam Page. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, you know, all those talents that all uh, moved on. Um, so it's kind of like the perspective's a little bit off. He, like, starts the timeline a little bit early, which sounds like a little bit too early. And then, like, it's sort of like it makes it seem too close, like like as if they could have headed off AEW, which they wouldn't have been able to. So, um but he did say that the buy rate for Ring of Honor's final battle was the highest one that they've ever had, although he didn't have specific numbers to share yet. Um, he said opportunity was lost because they couldn't run Florida. Um, so now they can't like foresee their product at that level. So you know, basically, excuse me, basically they don't want to have the payroll um, that. Uh, you know, that's costing them so much money. So they're looking to reimagine what they do next. And that's where they are in the process. But they're still basking in the sunlight of the final battle. Um, we have nice things up our sleeves after the first of the year. It's too early to give too much detail. We do plan on delivering a product that epitomizes who we are and experience of the fan that does not exist in today's uh, landscape. It is not. It is always when, not if, we come back. We never said we were shutting down, just that we weren't doing live events. Um, trust the buoyancy of the brand. It won't be something that is dumb. <laughs> there will be television programming that will be really engaging before SuperGuard. It may not have matches. We have the time. I am under no gun for timing. I run Ring of Honor as a business unit. I make decisions for business. And I think that covers everything. <laughs> It just seems like okay that it sounds great but you could have ran anywhere else in florida florida is huge and there's a million places other places to run hell wb and AEW both running there run someplace else i don't know it just seems like a lot of excuses there and i don't know wishful thinking because you lost jay lethal the briscoe brothers are probably gone even though they're your champions they're about to sign with AEW. i mean roxy was just at a wb tryout and she's your woman's champion don't see them coming back. Yeah, and one thing that he did emphasize was the fan engagement experience. So I'm wondering, like, if they're going to run, like, as small a venue as possible and, like, sort of like the smallest indie show, which are fun to go to, um, where you, you know, like, two two rows of fans and then, I don't know, you call a fan in for, like, the ring announcer I don't think they'll try and save money by being like, we don't have a ring announcer who wants to do it tonight, but like, you know, have fans involved in that way. He, it was kind of interesting because he seemed like very like business like, but he was also like, his voice was kind of, it sounded like it was cracking at certain points. Like, so he's very emotional about it, but also included a lot of platitudes, like a lot of honor, you know, like sort of like, like the type of things that like buzzwords a little bit that were, a little bit heavy-handed too. Uh, to me, it just seems like I don't know, just a lot of uh, hyperbole. Be like, oh yeah, we'll be back, and we never said we're going to be gone, and it. But everything points to them being gone, and the reason why Final Battle did such a goodbye rate, it was like a goodbye. You had Brian Danielson and Punk, and everybody saying their goodbyes on the videos and stuff. So it was, it was basically, you know, the the funeral for ROH, and everyone was interested in kind of the goodbye and how they would end the show and how the promotion would end it wasn't like oh we have this huge buy rate and now we're going to build upon it it was like the end yeah it was kind of like they sort of blamed it on messaging kind of like that oh we never said you know this was the end um but then why would you run vi like solicit and run videos like that right but right i mean cough was very explicit that you know they would uh they would rise again. So uh, uh, I'm more curious on watching those shows than I, I was in the regular programming. I guess it's a morbid curiosity. So it should be interesting to follow no matter what. Just seems like you're going to do all that and you're going to have that show. People 
even if you come back, I think people assume that was the end. So even if they come back, people are like, oh, it's not Ring of Honor. It's a best of tape or something. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't seem like it's really going to be ROH, even if ROH comes back. No, it's a good point. Like it's in terms of branding, right? Like even your most loyal fans, you, you, like you mentioned, you said goodbye to them or felt like goodbye. And even like Enrique Bonnie, who's like, you know, comes across as like the biggest company man. Like he was from what I read, I didn't watch the show. It sounded like he was even hinting like that this could be it. And like, if he was getting messaging that was different, like I don't think he would have like gone off script with that. Cause he's, generally very careful from what i've noticed about what he says and how he handles things yeah so it's like oh you're you're big company guy he thinks you're coming back but oh yeah he took a job with new japan so it's like uh jay lethal the most loyal guy to the company in 20 years nope works for AEW. the briscoe brothers who are tag champions rumored to be going to AEW. they basically are cutting videos online talking about feuding with ftr they're gone so like you have nobody and no company and your most loyal guys are all gone even if you do start over i don't think people will believe that you you're back you, you know they this is some you know new ring of honor i think people are going to assume he's dead and buried yeah no that makes sense i guess like i guess it all comes down to you if, if sinclair sees it as worthwhile in terms of a television product and how much they want to invest in that obviously less than they invested before and like what are the alternatives right like infomercials local programming um they have to find a space for wow wrestling on many of their networks so you know a lot of balls in the air to me too it's um one of those things like yeah you had 1600 people there you had great amount of people watching on fight you know you had a great buy rate but it was all to see to say goodbye it wasn't to hey can't wait for april it was everyone was saying goodbye yeah maybe like if they held off held off for like three years then you could have like a reunion show <laughs> and those tend to do well like those ecw right. shows yeah. do well yep. like forever <laughs> true so they're still doing on? well i guess with battleground yeah technically yeah because they always bring in the, those old uh ecw acts for sure hey bully ray just wrestled uh lawler and they're going back to uh, 97 extremely crappy wrestling and all that all that great stuff. Yeah, and Onita is coming in in March 2022 to, to wrestle Bully Ray. So really uh, reaching back. Wow. Damn. Um, so what's going on with Impact? Yeah, so Impact, now we have a little bit of a longer trajectory as well. So I would say it, it was like a modest win in terms of like fans in attendance and also like cost savings. So for Q quarter three, I was going to say uh, – Q3, um, they allowed fans into the Skyway Studios for the first time in a while, and Slammiversary uh, on July 17th was a quick sellout with 180 in attendance, so a nice win for them. Then the Observer reported that the next two days of tapings were also 180, but when I would check um, the show tickets, you know, I would look at, like, buy 10 seats, uh, you know, at a time or something like that, and that never went away, so... I questioned that aspect, but certainly Slammiversary did um, well with that modest setup. In the fourth quarter, Impact spent most of its time in Vegas. They did a triple shot on October 23rd to 25th, with Bound for Glory being reported as a sellout of 900 fans. Unconfirmed, someone tweeted me that there was an advertisement for seat fillers or extras for that night locally. I don't know about that, but that seems like another win for them. I don't know about the attendance for the um, tapings, but obviously those are usually much lower. And um, on December 18th at the Davis Arena, they ran um, one of those uh, fun retro shows that they do. Um, 137 reserve tickets had been put on sale. When I had last checked um, about a day prior to showtime, 132 of those had been sold. So I'm assuming that ended up being a sellout, plus they had a general admission. With Impact, though, it seems like they are running a ton of like smaller venues. Like, there's nothing I really see like over, you know, 200 fans except for that that one Bound for Glory, which was like their big show. You said it was about 900 fans, but besides that, it's like very small, very very niche. Yeah, um, and I give them credit for that in terms of like knowing where they stand. You know, it takes a while to recalibrate, and we saw that with Impact themselves and Ring of Honor and. 
maybe that'll be something MLW goes through depending on um, the type of venues that they plan to do in the future. But like you had a certain moment, you drew well, things hit a skin rather than like book bigger venues, you know, you go smaller, especially if you're a television product and like keep chugging along in that way, especially with a company that television is more and more important to it, um, or at least um, distribution of programming, then, um, you know, why lose money in venues that you can't fill? So would you think that they're going to be doing more as far as like expanding more? Cause it seems like, I know they just did Louisville, Kentucky, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're really getting out, out there. Very, very focused on the TV. Yeah. So I, I think that they kind of have found the model that works for them for right now, where you come in with the lead of the pay-per-view. So you, you do pretty well, depending on the size there, certainly sub 900 or even 200 people. Um, and then you're, you're already there. You have the setup going, you keep the venue rented and then you just run, um, you know, two or three more days of tapings and then you're, you're out of there. So, you know, that saves you time on having to, you know, set up different venues, book different venues. Um, you get a deal, I'm sure when you have a venue for multiple days and then, um, you know, it's better for your bottom line, which, you know, it's not a growth model, certainly. And it, I haven't watched impact on tv in some time so it kind of gets a little boring i'm sure to see the same venue but if they're moving around quarterly you know not that's not bad and that might be the best position that they're in right now what about mlw i know they did philly a lot maybe too much so what's up with mlw yeah so uh, firstly on uh july 10th which we've talked about extensively and which you were there that was a uh, complete um sellout um you know what that means um uh, was never clear but generally it's probably about 900 people um the show planned for dallas on september 11th was canceled um at that point they distributed 508 of 512 reserved t- tickets um now they're as we've talked about before they will be returning to the city but not the venue twice in 2022 um the rollout was a little bit bumpy that they announced the later show first they ended up moving a show planned for the 2300 arena to q1 in 2022 so we'll see how that goes the promotion did run two more shows at the 2300 arena in the fourth quarter with 550 on october 2nd and a reported 675 on november 6th the 675 seemed a little bit high to me for what i the way i was tracking it but um i'm not sure um now they did run a show outside of our report confines geographically in mexico with the crash i would assume the crash is more of the promoter of record in mexico but that was reported as several thousand people in attendance so um so whether that's a direct win for MLW, I'm not sure, but it doesn't speak of the U.S. market. So really, we have just the Philadelphia shows and a little bit insight into how things were going in Dallas, which was pretty good um, on the uh, September 11th show that ended up being canceled. Do you think that they run Philly again? It just seems like that's got to be way too much in Philly, right? Um, so... I'm not sure what the issue was that occurred, but Mike Johnson had reported that there was something going on with 2300 Arena, but that they'd be back. I'm assuming that MLW will want to sort of go back to its standby venues, which was a pretty good selection. Like that um, that venue in the Chicago area looked great on TV. Um, the other venue in Dallas that they were running looked great on TV, so I'm not sure what happened. The Melrose Ballroom in uh, Queens, New York, seemed like a good venue for them. Philly seemed solid as long as you don't burn it out um, once or twice a year. So, you know, I think they were in the right places. I'm just not sure, you know, uh, what their plans are in going back to them. But it seemed like they had identified the right size venues um, and the right cities for them. Uh you know, two, two and a half years ago. So with MLW, how would you like rate their just success overall? Because it seems like they can't sell tickets as far as just live events. Like, would you say like that they 
had a prosperous year outside of the crash stuff because the crash stuff is really kind of Conan and and Mexico promoting and they're like allowing them to almost be a part of their show a little a little bit. That's part of that. So how would you say they they did as far as like live event? Yeah, I would say like you know you're just in one market which you sort of like you burned out a little bit. I would say there was a cooling off like the the show at the 2300 arena on july 10th that was sort of i think that was first put on sale what like a year and a half before two years and then it kept getting bumped rightly so and by the time they got there okay people were excited it was one of the early shows with like a a somewhat national promotion to run but then you could really see where the real interest was yeah 500 people um in october i think that was like the the true marker of things so they're doing okay, but I think they've lost a lot of buzz. Like, um, seems like they're still doing things with Vice, but which we've talked about, but not necessarily a weekly program. Uh, potentially some sort of documentary from Hawaii. I'm assuming involving the Von Erics. Um, be in sports as WrestleNomics first reported. Um, the BN, we know their ratings are an average of three thousand in prime time, like three thousand, like literally. Um, now for MLW, it seems like they're even below that in recent times. Um, before they'd been above that, but from the WrestleNomic number that I had read, it looked like it was like 2,500. Now, there's also BN Sports in Espanol, which actually we don't have the MLW numbers, but their uh, primetime average is 6,000, so double that. So when MLW airs there, you know, they get probably not a lower rating. So you could sort of combine that, but you know, it, it's pretty low profile. Then they were bouncing around in terms of their, um, we're on YouTube. We're not on YouTube. Uh, the show is now called uh, uh, Azteca. The show is now fusion. Um, the show is alpha. So it's kind of hard to follow um, with the branding. So I think that's a challenge, especially in a very competitive market for those promotions that have some contracts under some talents under contract step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. So what about some other shows? I mean, we had, we've even seen when we were going through this, some other shows that drew over a thousand people. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So putting aside, again, the question marks with Hecho and Mexico on uh, July 31st in Hidalgo, um, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which we've talked about, drew 2,100 um, at the uh, County Expo Center, getting Google alerts, Google News alerts. Um, I was seeing so much about this show. Um, so great local publicity. Um, you had Adam Scher, um, Braun Strowman was there. Um, as we know, Waukesha had a recent um, tragedy where um, they had a parade and somebody ran their car into people in the parade and people died and got hurt very badly as well. So um, Adam Scher donated his money from the show towards that. Um, so a lot of uh, 
putting that aside, important thing, but a lot of buzz on the promotion generally for that show. Kind of like, it really goes to show like the regional, like if you do regional wrestling right, sort of like how NEW does it, like you could do well. Mucha Lucha in Norcross, Georgia, drew 1,500 in Espacio Discotech. So thank you to Georgia Wrestling History um, for putting that on our radar. That was the same venue that um, Championship Wrestling from Atlanta ran and smartly teamed up with the same promotion, but they only got a couple hundred. There's not necessarily always a great crossover uh, between um, Lucha fans and general pro wrestling fans. WrestleCade, um, of course, it's a convention, but they run at least one show um, every year as part of the convention. So they drew 1,200 for that show. And PCW Ultra in Wilmington, California, drew 1,000 at the ILW Memorial Hall on October 23rd. PCW Ultra is one of those like uh, super indies or promotions that's getting uh, a lot of attention um, recently. Do you think that that's kind of out of the norm just a little bit as far as like, wow, like a thousand people for these lower level, quote unquote, lower level indies. I mean, that seems pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I know WrestleCade is kind of like um, something that, that that's like, that's just there every year and people are very used to it and they do draw a great crowd. That's like the old faithful there, but some of the other shows pretty shocking that we're, we're seeing such high drawing numbers and they're not really running so regularly. Yeah. I would say these are definitely outliers. I feel like, you know, Every once in a while, you'll get a report of a show and you're like, whoa, it's sort of like the stars aligned, you know, like the local media is interested. You have uh, a couple of talents that are hot coming off TV. Certainly Braun Strowman has been nowhere else. He's going to be in NEW for their show in January. But like, you know, you couldn't see him anywhere near there or anywhere in the country. I don't think anyone came in for this, but, you know. That certainly speaks of a draw. Mucha Lucha, um, you know, they might have been drawing well all along, but it's sort of like off the radar. Um, WrestleCade, um, like we talked about, a popular show. PCW is sort of like one of those, you know, buzzworthy. You have the right talents um, going to the show. But we can speak sort of more um, overall, like what's the health of the non-WWE, non-AW business, especially now that we have another quarter to slam on top of it. So in tracking 188 total shows over these two quarters, 84 of the shows were reported as sold out or nearly sold out, 44%. There was attendance available for 140 of the 188 shows, and that was an average of 395 in attendance per show. So a little bit of a snapshot. I'm going to give a lot of modifiers here. Given that there are probably 10 to 15 X shows domestically, depending on how quickly independent promotions are emerging from the pandemic. This is just a snapshot and shouldn't be applied as a trend overall or meant anyway as a representative sample, but it's just insight based on what we have. Additionally, Georgia Wrestling History provides several local results per week with attendances, which is awesome. Thank you, Georgia Wrestling History. But there is uh, skewing based on the volume of small Georgia shows. Um, but um, this helps to give us insight into the future. What does the next half year look like? And how does that compare to this half year's numbers to see if there are any trends available? What about some non-WB, non-AEW domestic coverage overall? Yeah, so um, besides the average numbers, um, just some, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these numbers, unless you're looking for them, uh, don't don't come out. So I'll just take a couple moments and I'll, I'll read through some of the ones that uh, we didn't mention yet. Maybe you'll hear your favorite promotion. Maybe uh, you'll be intrigued and want to learn more while we have a moment. Why not? So Brawl in Brooksville, Florida on July 2nd drew 400 in Leadfoot City. Um AAW, Marina Park, Illinois, on July 9th, drew 445. Wrestle America in Barnesville, Georgia, on July 10th, drew 200. Um, championship Wrestling from Memphis, we don't have a number, but the Wrestle Center on July 11th sold out. They've been doing a good job of uh, bringing in um, like one or two names for each show to keep the uh, attendances up. Warrior Wrestling on July 17th in Chicago drew 700. 
Um, let's see here. Premier Wrestling in North Concord, North Carolina at the Cabarets Arena to 485. Uh, let's see. IWA Mid-South in on July 29th and 30th uh, for some special King of the Death match shows to 100 and 300. Um, ESW on July 31st in Riverworks. Um, I was looking at a photo despite asking several contacts on Twitter from ESW for a number, but I looked at the uh, photo. It looked like 185 plus. Um, let's zoom ahead to some more recent numbers that we might not have discussed because there's a, bit, a big, big list, as we said, 188. Um, let's see here. So, um, any okay, so some NEW, so just indicative in terms of how things are looking. And I looked, uh, so in Bethany, Connecticut, um, you know, it looked like under 100 on December 18th, although I had looked in advance of the show, so that might have picked up more. Warrior Wrestling in Illinois on uh, December 12th drew 600 to the Tinley Park Convention um, Arena. Uh, let's see, anything else notable? LPWG and Super Star Wars Wrestling in Easley, South Carolina, drew 295. VPW in Georgia in the Sweetwater Park on December 11th, drew 275. Um, so just a little bit of a, of a snapshot. So you were saying basically 44% um, of the shows were sellouts. The attendance you said were available for 140 out of the 188 shows for an average of basically 400 fans per show is that good bad ugly what are we looking at um so it's uh so q4 was um up by like tens from q3 so that was a good number to look at i think it, it's hard to tell because in georgia they're doing such a good job of capturing the shows where the attendance is 20 and 40 and 60 but other areas we're getting you know you're more likely to get an attendance number if there's more people there right like more likely that somebody will report it. So it's 395. It's something where like, it'll be about the same type of shows that'll be reported in the future. So that'll give us a better baseline. I think that's pretty good though. You know, 400 people overall and, you know, about a half of them are sold out, you know, so it shows that people are choosing the right venues to, uh, to book. So I think it's, you know, overall seems healthy. What would you say overall? I mean, is it trending in, in a good direction as far as live events and tickets, or are we headed again towards a, a down period, a, a little bit of a trending downward? No, that's a great question. So I think it's like sort of like show by show. So I think like in terms of overall, like the non-national promotions, like it's really based on like how you establish your roots and what talents you bring in and sort of like how do you make yourself unique in the market. Game changer wrestling, no question. Upward trajectory. 2022 is going to be a, a fascinating uh, time for them. With NEW, they know what they're doing. Um, they're going to be very solid and, and keep chugging along. Question marks abound with NWA and Impact and Ring of Honor. I think they are smart enough now to be conservative, sort of like knowing who they are. Those promotions that are still like reaching, maybe like punching, trying to punch above their weight a little bit right now, New Japan, USA and MLW as, um, you know, relatively, they're each booking venues that are a little bit bigger than they need in general. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they're able to fill those venues more or if it'll be a bit more of a struggle. Great work as always putting all this together. I know it's uh, pretty time consuming. It's going to take up a lot of time, a lot of effort trying to figure out this and all to see how we're doing in the wrestling business. Seems like some good, some bad, some duds for sure that are out there. So what about some uh, sourcing and credit? I know you love, I know you love doing that. Oh yes. Um, hundred percent. So in addition to confidence in my own abilities to hand count ticket maps, credit is due to WrestleTix. The Wrestling Observer, Cage Match, PW Insider, The Wrestling Estate, Georgia Wrestling History, as well as some local media coverage in which attendance figures were provided. So let's think about this just for the future. Do you think that when we're doing this again and we're maybe 
talking about the next quarter, do you think they were looking at a positive result or a negative? Usually winter months, like, are we looking at a downward trend? Like, what are we looking at going forward? Right. So we have the Omicron, of course, which we've talked about extensively. So that's sort of, you know, in the background. Um, we know at GCW that they already have a big win, you know, that will will carry them through the quarter. Um, I'm very curious about these MLW shows in, in Texas. Those are the question marks. Uh, we know Ring of Honor will be dark for that period unless I'm not sure if WrestleMania crossed over into the very end of March, but basically dark. Um, NEW should do well with their show in Mid-Hudson Civic Center, especially with the former Braun Strowman. And, um, you know, NWA and Impact, they'll probably be be conservative. All right. I'm interested to see what happens. I know the winter months around here in the Northeast sometimes, you know, with if the weather's crappy, obviously, sometimes you're getting some pretty sparse crowds and eventually, you know, sometimes some canceled shows. So hopefully um, the weather holds up and it's not too bad up here in the Northeast as far as some wrestling shows are concerned. 100%. Yeah, the the winter challenge. I remember when I was a kid, like, my mom would say, I, I'll drive you to the train station, but only if I could get out of the driveway. And you'd never see me as motivated as I was. Like, I had that shovel, and I'd be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> starting yes. at 11 a.m. for the 7 p.m. show. And not only would I clear out the driveway, but, you know, a good path to get on to the, to the major street. <laughs> good call. Yes, I agree. But let's head on over to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course patreon patreon.com slash tmptempire bobby what do you got yes so firstly a very important plug that this report will be available for the first time likely when you're listening to by the time you're listening to this on se scoops so so glad to work even deeper with our partner um uh, the official business podcast, uh, the official uh, business uh, podcast of SC Scoops. Um, if you want to check me out on Twitter, Lavi Marg, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. Sometimes I do things like tweet uh, Joe Coff's um, podcast interviews and check out my website for other research and analysis, lioncubjobsearch.com. All right. Thank you, Lavi, for putting this all together. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. See you right back here next week for a little business of the business. See you next week, folks. has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com Two Man Power Trip where the power lies brother. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.